At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. We're broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach in sunny, warm Santa Monica. So please be seated. We've got a great show for you today. And our, we're featuring an old, I should rephrase that. Um, we're featuring a classmate <laughs> of, my, of mine from American University. And uh, she is a Reuters senior correspondent in Berlin, Andrea Shalal. And we're going to be talking about uh, the new, the, the German social media law that just went into effect that everyone in Silicon Valley has been talking about because of the high fines it has if you don't remove hate speech promptly. And so it's a very, it's a very timely topic. And there's a lot of issues at play, including the past elections, Russian interference, and it, the future of the law is now in somewhat in jeopardy because of the recent German election. So it's a really complicated subject that we're going to try to help you get a grip on. Um, but without further ado, Andrea, are you here? I am here. Thank you, Bennett. Yes. You can good. call me old anytime. I know. I was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a slip, and I thought, oh, we probably, I should, probably should say that. Um, you are actually the uh, – we've had several of you uh, – guests on in the past including classmates um you're the second one from our floor we actually live in, in the international dorm together and um the first one was uh, steve smith who sh we talked about shooting the winning shot against georgetown but so you're the first one to not um play basketball so welcome <laughs> <laughs> and um why don't you tell us well, a bit of, uh, about you and and how how it is that you ended up in at reuters in berlin Oh, well, I have been with Reuters for really long. It was then, um, you know, I, I worked in Frankfurt, and then I worked in what was then the Capital Bonn, right about the time that the German, that the Berlin Wall came down. <clears throat> and uh, and then I went to the States, worked there for a long time, and um, have been back here in Berlin, or in Germany, and in Berlin now for a year and a half, roughly. And um, it's been just completely fascinating and interesting understanding how Germany's, um, uh, you know, how Germans have a very different perspective on privacy. And, um, and also, of course, Germany has uh, unique laws on hate speech that are very directly a product of its Nazi past. So um, that's been very interesting. And, um, you know, some of that comes to play in this, um, in this hate speech law. Oh, definitely. That, um, yeah, but um, we have been um, we've been talking with people about this because the the law was sort of rushed through last year, um, very much on the initiative of the justice minister Heiko Maas, who is a social democrat, and he had been 
pushing for for some kind of um, resolution of what he considered basically intransigence transigence by Facebook for not removing, you know, postings quickly enough and not responding to complaints about things that were deemed, um, you know, in violation of German law. And so um, that law was kind of rammed through with the support of the, the Christian Democrats, the, the conservatives, the party the, of the ruling party. Merkel. The ruling party. So yeah. basically, we have a ruling coalition here now that is called a grand coalition. We have the conservatives, Chancellor Merkel's conservatives, and the um, social democrats. And in the election on September 24th, Merkel's conservatives won the largest share of the votes, um, and uh, but not enough to rule without a coalition. And the social democrats, who were you know, both of those big parties saw their uh, support dwindle, but the Social Democrats basically came out on election night immediately and said, that's it, we're done. We're not ruling with Angela Merkel and the conservatives anymore. We're done. We're going to go into opposition. So now Merkel is trying to form a government with two other parties, um, the pro-business Free Democrats mm-hmm. um, and the um, environmentalist screens. Um, and it's been a little bit challenging or it will be a little challenging. The formal coalition talks haven't even begun yet. They won't start until next week, but the greens and the FTP have both been critical of the hate speech law and, um, and the CDU the sort of conservatives um, are also, we're not, super wild about it. They had their reservations, but supported it as part of the coalition. So there is, you know, hope now that that law could be revised. There is some discussion of that. It is not the highest thing on the agenda for the, you know, if a coalition comes together, that three-way coalition, but it is something that is very much on people's minds. And of course, you know, the social media companies, um, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, are, are quite keen to see some changes. And, um, you know, I, something like six of eight experts that were polled on this um, said that the law was unconstitutional because it was potentially too, too broad. Unconstitutional so, under German yeah, we'll law see. or under European law? Under German law. Interesting. So, um, and actually, you do. I was doing some research. The co- the coalition that the uh, Angela Merkel is trying to form is being called the the Jamaica Coalition because the colors of the <laughs> the various parties match the flag of Jamaica. Is that is that accurate? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing we're, all we're, these I German think... politicians in dreadlocks, and it, it it's quite an image. But. Um, <laughs> Any event for, for I'm sure list- there will be lots of great cartoons, and we'll oh, all be wearing, the, you know, the sort of green, yellow, and black flags. <laughs> well, the the owners of this station also own Cannabis Radio, so maybe they'll be opening a an office in Berlin then, if that's the case. <laughs> but um, any event, there's for the for our listeners, you know, given the background on these issues, that you can go to our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, and um, there's details about the law and um, and this whole issue of the coalition. So let's let's back up a little bit. Um, you know, from an American point of view, this is this is kind of a, a WTF response. Because what you know, there, the law requires that the hate, you know, something that's clearly hate speech, to be taken down in 24 hours. These, these huge fines, um, things that are not clearly hate speech, you have up until seven days. Um, but, and the reason why that you know, there's an American you know reaction to that is because you know, in America, in the United States, that that's per- there is no obligation to take things down. Um, social media com- media companies have the benefit of an immunity under federal law called the Communications Decency Act. But you know, Germany is you know, is there? I know that you know the Social Democrats and the, the Justice Minister was was pushing this law, but is is there much of a sensitivity to seeing um, hate speech on social media in Germany? 
Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, Germany has um, far less tolerance for free speech that is, you know, crosses into that realm than, um, than we do in the United States. And, um, and again, that has to do with its history. Although I had a, an interesting um, incident uh, just in August where I was on vacation and I was hiking along a river, I mean, a beautiful lake. I saw and the pictures. I came up to the <laughs> map. <laughs> yeah, um, on Facebook, you can see my pictures. And I came upon a map of the city of Neubrandenburg, and there were two posters of Rudolf Hess plaque on the map. And I literally took, you know, a step back, really jolted me. And um, I, was, I was speaking with the prosecutors afterwards. These um, posters showed up in, I don't know, like 11 different locations. And they were investigating it. And I spoke to them you know, a couple of weeks later. And I said, what's going on with the investigation? And they said, oh, we dropped the investigation. And I said, why? And they said, well, because we decided that the... Um, the um, thing that was involved, the, the content of the poster wasn't, wait a minute, are you telling me that you could put up posters of Adolf Hitler across Germany and that wouldn't be a, a problem? And they were like, because, you know, Rudolf Hess was his deputy. So, right. um, I mean, you know, we talk about Germany having strict laws, but there does seem to, there do seem to be some loopholes. Apparently, it was, you know, just considered a misdemeanor to be putting up posters where they shouldn't belong. And, um, you know, there does seem to be some wiggle room. But as far as, you know, postings on the, you know, um, the, the tabloid newspapers are frequently featuring tweets um, and, and showing them, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about social media and especially about hate speech. And, and, you're in in the you know the center of Europe, and obviously the elections in London, in UK Brexit vote and the US election, and the, the Russian influence, and, and even in the French election, did that and and the hate speech that went with it, did that cause concern in Germany over the possibility that you could see a ratcheting up of hate speech, possibly due to potential Russian involvement? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is a big concern. It's one that we literally from extremely senior members of the German intelligence community, the director of the domestic intelligence agency said um, and, and, and repeated again just last week, the fact that, you know, they, they view this activity by Russia as being you know, very direct, very manipulative. Um, they are citing the intervention in the U.S. election and say that multiple um, cyber attacks, as well as a massive amount of low-level propaganda activities that they attribute, and uh, and they say, you know, there was um, there wasn't a big cyber incident right before the election here, but mm, the, uh, you know, a top official with the domestic intelligence agency warned just two weeks ago that, that the danger is not over because these coalition talks are dicey, as I said, you know, there are differences among these parties. They're sort of odd bedfellows to be getting into a coalition government. And so it's still, you know, people are very much on high alert that there could be manipulation. Um, I should say that, you know, Russia has, um, Germany also has um, a, a more nuanced and, and, and different view on Russia because it is located here in Europe so close to Russia. So it's not a black and white kind of situation. Um, but we are told that very senior German officials, um, you know, warned very senior Russian officials, i.e., you know, Putin, and said, don't mess with our election. Um, but Germany is also very dependent on energy supplies from Russia. 
and there are extensive business arrangements and and ties, connections between Germany and Russia. So it's um, it's complicated. It's a very complicated situation. But the intelligence community is, you know, completely furious about what they see as a continuous pattern of uh, Russian hackers going after political parties, foundations, the weak links, those computer networks that maybe belong to local politicians, uh, smaller parties that could potentially be a, you know, a gateway to a bigger network. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're very much on on high alert. Um, You know, in addition to that, Germany has now for the first time in, in 60 years uh, has seen a far right party enter parliament with nearly 13% of the vote they're called the Alternatives for Germany Party. And um, some of the members of that party have really onerous views um, and have, for instance, one of the leaders of the party talked about the Holocaust Memorial, which is just a block here, a couple blocks from my office, as being a monument of shame in the heart of Berlin. You know, another leader, a different one, in early September gave a speech in w- to supporters in which he said that Germans should be proud of the activities of their military during World War One and World War Two, which caused a lot of you know, frustration and anger um, among, you know, a majority of the population. So I think everyone is very cognizant of both a rightward lurch as well as the increased distribution networks through social media and, um, and, and all of that against the backdrop of increased Russian propaganda and influence it, operations. It, Pretty toxic there, mix. Is there any indication that uh, the Russians are encouraging the, the far-right party in Germany? Yeah, absolutely. But it's hard to... Um, uh, so the some of the leaders of that party have been to Russia. There um, certainly is evidence that the Russians are um, supportive of these far right parties. Whether it's Marine Le Pen in in um, in France and the Front National or the Alternative for Germany, um, there. You know, it's very difficult to prove, but the support is certainly there. We also did an investigation and looked at the Russian outreach to the very large community, roughly 3 million people who have some kind of roots in Russia. Mm -hmm. Many of them are ethnic Germans whose families left Germany 200 years ago to... um, homestead basically in Germany at the, in, in Russia at the invitation of Catherine the great. And then, you know, went through various um, periods of oppression there, especially after creation of the Soviet union. And some of them were banished. Many of them were banished to Kazakhstan, to Siberia and, but continued to maintain their sort of German identities. And they large numbers of those people have come to Germany uh, especially in the 90s after the wall came down. And they have, you know, strong, large communities here. Many of those people still speak Russian and therefore consume Russian media and mm-hmm. are are getting basically the feed from Moscow, you know, the satellite TV um, channels from Moscow. Um, in addition to that, Russia has established um, these... Uh, you know, offshoots of its uh, state kind of um, owned and influenced outlets, Sputnik and RT. And they've, you know, become quite um, active here in Germany, in German, in reporting in Germany, in German. And um, in fact, you know, have become sort of players, I guess, you know, in terms of the media landscape. And, you know, I was actually at a a refugee you know, resettlement camp in the 90s, for, which was largely for all the ethnic Germans coming after the fall of the war. And But I, I, all this kind of begs a question. You, you have the, the Russian you know, political apparatus, 
promoting basically a, a far right agenda or you know a an Aryan agenda, you might say. Here we would call it white supremacist. And you know, the last time the Aryans were in power in Germany, it didn't go so well for Russia. I mean, they, they lost 20 million people <laughs> in that war. And it just it seems to be an odd thing for a Russian government to promote, especially in Germany. Well, I mean, we should say, Bennett, just to be clear, that Russia denies these influence operations vehemently, strenuously denies it. I was at a press conference and asked the Russian foreign minister about this. He was, you know, two feet away from me. I was sitting directly in front of him at a press conference in Hamburg in December. And I said, look, there's, you know, all these allegations from the U.S. intelligence agencies, the French intelligence agencies, the German intelligence agencies, that you are trying to, you know, steal elections or you're trying to influence elections. What do you say? And he said, in what was, you know, the first time that I've really experienced this, he, he said, look, German Chancellor Angela Merkel herself says this is bullshit and nonsense and I have nothing to add. Except that German Chancellor Angela Merkel never said such a thing. Wow. <laughs> so it was like, Answering a question about misinformation or disinformation. With disinformation. With, with disinformation. And, you know, of course, the microphone by then had gone away. I couldn't follow up. I was, right. I, I, I was blindsided. And everyone in the room, you know, immediately then the next question came from a kind of a Russian media outlet. And so there wasn't the kind of follow up that should have <laughs> happened. But I, I uh, you know, I dreamt about that exchange for weeks afterwards thinking I should have just yelled at him but it it just highlights that Mark Twain quote that um, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth even gets its pants on and and that that was the dilemma you had Um, we absolutely and there is one question I have and from an American perspective we believe in um, the marketplace of ideas but um, according to my producer, the marketplace period. So we're going to take a short break and we come back. I'll, I'll, I'll finish that thought. Um, and we're going to take a short break. We'll, when we come back, we'll be talking more with Andre Shalal about the, this German social media law and, and what it means um, after these messages. You're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report only at webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. All of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Testing at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm. The flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. 
This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we were starting to talk about uh, the kind of Jeffersonian notion, or maybe it's Hamiltonian, of the marketplace of ideas that, that's very central to um, the U.S. free speech notion and our First Amendment and why you know, we have such robust protection for you know, any sort of ideas as long as it's an idea. And in reading about this law and what it means, there's, um, and I've also, in the influx of, of hate speech in through social media, through the Russians and elsewhere, um, I saw a notion in one article in the Atlantic that the marketplace of ideas shouldn't value ideas that have already been proven false or that have been rejected. So, for example, you know, evolution, you know, the fact evolution has been established. So do we value the you know, people who say it didn't happen or, you know, the arguments under, underlying the, the Confederacy or or the Nazis, for example, you know, those ideas have been you know, dramatically rejected, you know, do, does the marketplace of ideas, should they value them as you know, equal as any other idea? Or are there are certain ideas that really, at a certain point, it should be excluded. Um, you know, Ben and I went to an interesting um, lecture last night with two professors, one from Düsseldorf and one from Berlin, who were talking about, to a packed audience about what the significance was of this far-right party. And I think that there are a couple things we need to keep in mind. For one thing, it's easy for us in the media to um, use shorthand to refer to these ideas as Nazi ideas. But it's also important, I think, also to... Um, you know, and this is a point that Jewish groups will make. It's important to not conflate things. So, you know, we do not, we have not heard from these, from this party here in Germany, any notion of, um, you know, exterminating Jews or Muslims. There is, it's very fervent anti- you know, Muslim rhetoric, there's discussion about preventing the Islamification of Europe, of Germany. It sounds very familiar, but we, we just, we have to be careful. There's also some people on the left who caution against being, you know, conflating the terms Nazi and, and this, these far-right advocates because they say that it could unintentionally reinforce the, um, you know, the skepticism that people have about the media. So they, you know, it's like if you are too lackadaisical, too too flippant about it, um, then it sort of tends to reinforce the notion that these people have that their concerns are not being taken seriously and that, you know, once again, the sort of, you know, liberal media or, you know, whatever. These, yeah. you know, the, you know, so there, there, you know, I think we do have to be careful about that. But I, and, and I, you know, it's interesting why this nationalism is making a, a return appearance right now. And I think, you know, we just had the, you know, sort of everything that's happening in Catalonia. You know, there are a lot of people who think that, what we're experiencing now is a reaction to globalization that yes. people feel that their lives are out of control and they, they feel like they want control back and they see the opportunity for control in some national mechanism. You know, I personally don't understand that impulse because I, I think we live in a very global world and I, as a, you know, world traveler, uh, you know, with with the who grew up between cultures in the first place and raised kids between three cultures, um, you know, to me that's an enrichment, not a threat. But I think a lot of people do view it as a threat. So, I, I, you know, as far as the marketplace of ideas and valuing ideas, 
it just does seem that the marketplace is giving some currency to these movements because, you know, what we've seen in Germany is a small sliver of what has happened in France and in the Netherlands where the support for these far-right parties is much higher. But at the same time, you, this is happening in, in Germany, which is, you know, at the center of Europe, it's their largest economy and, and clearly is, you know, plugged into all that's going on in globalization. I mean, globalization has helped propel um, Germany as an economic power. I, I want to get to some of the specifics of what the law is about and, and the background. And I was surprised to look into it because, you know, the law basically says, you know, if you see a clear hate speech, you have to take it down 24 hours. And less less clear hate speech, you have to take it down within a week. And um, you have to investigate it and take it down within a week. If not, there's, you know, 50 million euro fines. And um, right. but what, what I was surprised to find out, and it's in the show notes, is that Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube – in um, 2015, said, "Yeah, we can do that," and um, and again um, reaffirmed with the EU in May um, that they could do that, and uh, and so uh, May 2016, and, and so went. Uh, but then the German, excuse me, the German government hired a, a survey company to look into how often they removed hate speech, and the results were amazing. Uh, well, YouTube had like a 90% you know, rate of removing speech that had been flagged as hate speech. In uh, the case of Facebook, it was only 39%, and Twitter was only 1%. And so that kind of, I think, is what triggered this, um, mm-hmm. you know, this movement towards, well, they're not, they're not taking care of their house. You know, they're saying they're going to do it, right. but they're not doing it. And uh, do you have a pers- any kind of insight on that? Well, I think, you know, Germany is fundamentally the, a country that, you know, and especially under the leadership of the conservatives, that would prefer market mechanisms to work, so voluntary measures. <clears throat> but the exasperation grew because of those statistics that you just mentioned. And there was a sense that Facebook somehow, in particular Facebook, which was the company that was always mentioned and in fact, the hate speech law is known informally in Germany as the hate as the Facebook law. Right. The people at Facebook always always say it's not the Facebook law, but it, <laughs> it is in in common parlance. It's the Facebook law. Um, and so, I you know I think the companies were struggling with how to do this, how to implement it. The initial language was even stricter and more harsh. It was softened a little bit so that it's not after the first infraction, you, you, you get some grace period and the, the, you know, the authorities can impose the fines. They can't impose them after the first incident. You have to have sort of a pattern. Now it's that, it's that leeway. And just the very fact that there's this pattern that's required that makes, um, you know, those people who are concerned about the um, law going too far and potentially curbing free speech, they say that companies are going to err on the side of removing things so as not to run afoul of the law and to avoid the hefty fines. Um, and that's been know, the, obje- and, that's I mean, been the objection. Point, that basically what, what, the, what the law does is it privatizes censorship. It says, well, we're not censoring as a government, but you social media companies, you must censor or else be fined 50 million euros. And yeah. so that's, that's what some of the objections is. Just, um, so the law went into effect October 1. So you know, we're now in, in its third week of existence or second week of existence. And, <coughs> and social media companies broadly defined and so includes <coughs> also... Companies like um, Flickr, Vimeo, and uh, and so some of the initial targets, ex- according to um, Der Spiegel, are, are a Russian social network, um, VK, and an alt-right network, Gap. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of any reports about them in German media. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the um, the law is is intentionally broad because you know I think German lawmakers realize that social media apps are coming up every day. You know, who knew Twitter mm-hmm. was going to be as big as it is? Um, not so many years ago. Or um, well, the people would declare think, war from it. But yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's right. It would be a key instrument of foreign policy. Who knew that? You know. Um, <clears throat> The uh, what I was going to say is that you know even the OSCE, the um, you know Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, came out last week and criticized the law as being too broad and um, called on lawmakers to consider amending it. Um, I've been checking in with some of the social media companies to see what they're doing, and they're scrambling to build up their capacity to do this. I mean, it basically requires having a staff of people who are available and and are sifting through this horrible, hateful, disgusting stuff and making judgments, yay or nay. Um, The, um, and it also includes pornography. So, you know, there is, um, it's a it's a big it's a big task. Now, just to to be clear, the law has a, a fully takes effect. So it it kicked in on October first, but it won't they won't really start punishing companies until after the start of the year. They're giving them a grace period to build their capacity to adhere and to the law and to implement it. So we won't really know. Like we won't see fines probably popping up until after the start of the year, which is interesting. So you know, there, 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 those were some measures that were included at the insistence of, of conservatives, you know, and and also of the um, social media companies saying, look, we need time to build the the capacity to be able to do this in a meaningful way. And, but, so the start of the year will come, and by that point, you could have a new coalition, which will be less interested in enforcing law. Correct. Right. And I mean, which, which puts know, a gamble. Even, even the people at the Justice Ministry, which is currently run by a Social Democrat, um, say, look, this is a new law. We've never had anything exactly like this before. It's conceivable. It could be tweaked. Um, over time, um, I think that outright appeal is not something that is likely. Um, the Greens, for instance, have been very critical of it, of the law, but they welcome the fact that at least now they have designated um, people to talk to as this before. So they don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, basically. They want the law to be tweaked and adjusted as it goes along. And we haven't seen any concrete proposals, um, you know, organizations that work in this realm and represent trade organizations are, are still calling for its repeal. But I think, you know, behind closed doors, people recognize that an outright repeal is probably unlikely. Now, there, in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of fallout from a, a number of things. Obviously, the whole Russian scandal and, you know, its its role with, in the use of Facebook and Google and YouTube and all this for that is, is part of it. Part of it is some of the, you know, the harassment issues going on with Uber and others. But, uh, you know, a prominent... Um, VC and supporter of some of these companies, Freda Kapoor Klein, has uh, actually this week came out and and kind of criticized um, what she calls the Silicon Valley ethos of moving fast, breaking things, and failing to take responsibility for their actions. And and in the social networks, you see it with Twitter, excuse me, with Facebook, launching Facebook Live, and they're not really having sufficient staff to review what what is how it's being used and you have cases of murder and even pornography going alive on facebook 
And when people say you, know, you should have had anticipated that, you should have had someone. And then here, same thing. You know, Facebook you know, falling on its sword, saying, "Okay, we're going to add all these people to address you know some of these election issues." And and it just seems that there's a pattern of the social media companies saying, you know, launching something and then addressing the consequences a little too late. Yeah, I think that's true. But we just had a case this week in Germany where. Social media actually helped solve, helped save a girl, a little four-year-old girl who um, was um, showing up on child pornography sites in the darknet. And um, the federal criminal police took the unusual step of publicizing this girl's photograph in a widespread appeal on the internet. Um, It went on the national news. And uh, within a few hours, they had, so they had a perpetrator who was obviously sexually abusing this child and videotaping it and then putting it on to these these child pornography sites in the darknet, but they couldn't identify the perpetrator. They were tipped to it by, um, by over, you know, foreign um, intelligence services or law enforcement who recognized that there was German TV going on in the background, but they couldn't, they, you know, didn't have enough information to figure out who the perpetrator was. And um, so they put it up and within a couple of hours, um, they had the, you know, they'd gotten numerous tips and the, um, uh, you know, it turned out that it was the boyfriend of the mother who was doing this. <clears throat> and the mother and the child went to the police station. So I guess, you know, it's like, you know, is it, is, is it the fault of social media that people do bad things? I don't know. I mean, you know, I think, you know, the Facebook I, argument has been we're like the phone, you know, and is that, tr- is that true? I don't know. I just don't think that these organizations, Google and Facebook and um, Twitter, they are struggling to deal with a, a world in which change is happening so fast. I don't, I, you know, I, I, you know, can we fault them for it? Yeah. I mean, they need to be keeping up and they need to take responsibility, but is it, you know, could anybody have anticipated that people were going to, you know, do beheadings on live television? I don't, I don't, you know. Yeah. I don't think anyone could, I or I, hopefully not. Let's assume that's not the case. No, I mean, um, you know, I think it's like, you know, the sort of brutality aspect of it is, is crazy. I mean, just on the hate speech thing, I just wanted to tell you I've, um, there, this, um, you know, there other media organizations, media organizations are, you know, overwhelmed by hateful comments. And they have a lot of, um, you know, they have to put dedicated staff to removing comments on social media sites. So, for instance, the um, German public broadcasting station um, is posting its daily news show and, and then comments stream in on it and they will have 20,000, 30,000 comments and they have to actually sift through them. And I, I, I met a woman uh, recently. She was speaking at a, um, an event, uh, you know, under as part of the No Hate Speech campaign that is being funded by the German government and also by the EU. <clears throat> and she was saying that, it, you know, like after particularly controversial topics that they address, it will sometimes take them a full day to just get through it. I mean, just the sheer volume of what is out there. Plus, this is compounded by the fact, and here we go back to the discussion of Russian influence operations, of these bots, of these fake accounts that aren't real people, even where you, you are still, you know, you're, so you're, you're struggling with, not just the trolls out there, but also the bots, the sort of automated right. reactions where, you know, something gets posted on Twitter and there's 20,000 reactions within a few minutes. You know, that's not people, you know, and the intelligence agencies can see that they, they see that they do behavioral analyses 
and they graph these things and they're like, yeah, that was a machine-based thing. That was a bot. Those were bots that were reacting that are just pushed. You know, someone pushes one button and it, you know, puts out that many, it activates that many bots. One thing that's not a bot is our sponsors. And uh, <laughs> we're going to take a short break so you can listen <laughs> to them. And uh, when we come back, um, we'll be wrapping up with Andrea. And she can tell us more about how you could follow her and learn and see what she's writing for Reuters after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlong Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the, 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 the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your, your, your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Jamming and spamming, cashing in the clicks. SEO is always in session, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. <laughs> the best gavel to gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. We're talking to Andres Shalal, a graduate of the Great American University. And um, but before <laughs> we get back to her, uh, a little announcement about another of her um, fellow classmates who was honored at the uh, Online News Association uh, last week by the American University School of Communications, who has been a regular on this show, Benet Wilson, who received a Distinguished Communicator Award from American University School of, Communic- yeah, School of Communications. So shout out to her on that. And um, so, Andrea, we, we only have a few minutes left. So um, how, how can people follow you and, and learn more about what you're doing? Well, thank you so much, Bennett. It's been just fun to uh, have this conversation. Um, you can follow me at, um, you know, at Andrea underscore Shalal on Twitter um, and keep track on, you know, Reuters has an awesome news app, which I, I use myself and strongly recommend. We also have a, a really great product called the Reuters TV app, which you can download and you can get a little mini TV broadcast from five to 30 minutes. Um, it's fun for us because we do it. Oops, sorry, I just turned it on by mistake. We, we do it and it helps us to sort of augment the reporting that we're doing. Everything's multimedia now, but it's, um, so we get to see the visuals, we get to see live TV. If you, you know, when we're right, you know, covering a live press conference or something. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's a fun and changing world. Certainly different than when I started in uh, journalism. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And when we were at AU, <laughs> but <clears throat> it's a blast and it's great. And you know, it's such an interesting time. This whole cyber world, um, you know, there's really so much happening every day. Just today, we had a note from the BSI, which is the Federal Cyber Protection Agency in Germany, saying that. As of right now, they are not warning people to not use Kaspersky products um, because they don't have any evidence of wrongdoing by the company or weaknesses in the software. We saw lots of reporting over the last couple of hours about um, 
the Israeli intelligence that was tracking Russian hackers found that they were using Kaspersky as a sort of Google search for U.S. for sensitive data. Yeah, I saw that. Fascinating how this stuff is sort of, you know, the avenues that are out there. And the company Um, is imploding because of that story. Yeah. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. Well, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, this is, you know, the, the German cyber authorities are not, you know, they're not naive. So I thought it was really interesting that they put out this statement saying they, they didn't have any evidence that that was, that the reports were true. And, and you know, I don't know what that, whether that, <clears throat> they did, they did say that they do use Kaspersky for their own technical analysis. <laughs> so maybe oh, there is that. They, they don't want to switch the inconvenience <laughs> of it. Um, so I definitely want to thank you for joining, and it has been great. And definitely do do follow Andrea. She's been covering you know national security and, and international issues for a number of years, and and doing it with great distinction. So it's been great to have you. Um, stay tuned and listen to my colleague Jim Hedger on Webcology. He's going to be talking to Dennis Yu about the curious case of the Russian ad buy on Facebook. So kind of a continuation of the same thing right here on the same station. Um, Be sure to check out our show notes for more information about this show, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And um, next week, we will be talking with TechDirt founder and First Amendment warrior Mike Masnick, who just won an amazing court victory over that um, lawsuit from the guy claiming to have invented email. Um, so, but and also be sure to check out the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. Uh, we are one of the leading internet firms in the country, so check us out. But Andrea, thanks again. It's been a thrill, and um, join us next week. This has been Kelly with the um, Internet Law Center. Um, thank you for listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Court is adjourned. See you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.